The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. everyone and welcome to a very special edition of analyze this we are on the road the first time ever analyze this is not in studio we didn't see thomas here at the delhi deck the morning after the sixth state of the territory address given by governor albert Bryan. and i would not do it i'd be remiss if i didn't bring in my boys to help me out because you know i'm gonna need some help yesterday so you know we do the table talk on mondays Right, but we're gonna do a special Tuesday table talk. My co-host this morning, the one and only Armando Rocky Laybrun from St. John. Good morning, Mr. Ranking Member. Glad to have you here. Got it. And of course, the majority leader, the handle Donald Ducks Cole from St. Thomas, the capital. Morning. Good morning, Mr. President. Because I was gonna tell you, you miss an important aspect of your location. Tell me about it, man. In the capital of the United States, Virgin <laughs> Islands, down in Mali. You know everything, and, and I don't have the partner, and he wants to hear this, man. But we're going we we to make it better, right? That's for sure. Hey, look, first of all, good to see you. Happy New Year to both of you, distinguished Virgin Islands. Let me let me get something right off the bat, right? Rocky, you sat in the chair for four state of the territories, right? And, Ducks, you were a member of four state of the territories. Rocky, you did 16. You know what I'm saying? So we know that. Right off the bat, Rocky, tell me about last night's speech. You, you got to give the governor credit charisma. <laughs> He's learned to develop the art of communicating. Yes. Now, I don't think communicates that with his, his uh, cabinet now. That's a different story <laughs> because I ain't seen that communication going on there. You talk about, yeah. about the clapping during That's the speech. Right. <laughs> no, but he, his presentation now, yeah, much more, you know, excited and energetic from the times in the past. So upbeat. Right. More upbeat. Yes. Now the content is a different story. Well we're gonna get into that throughout the day. <laughs> no, we got we got a great line up here. We got folks from the Chamber of Commerce. We got union folks coming. We got elected yeah. officials. The governor himself is gonna be joining us. Uh, right in, 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 uh, yeah you'll sit right next to you so you'll good. be good. Uh Doug School, your uh first impression of the governor's sixth state of the territory. We have we look for maturity in giving speeches over time so when we look back from 2019 to now five years later six in total what's your take on six in total the man is an expert <laughs> in presenting state of the unincorporated territory yeah <laughs> technically correct technically correct and and his presentation was really a beat uh he was jovial at times uh, I, I specifically like as a student of history, the latter part of the, when he was ending up, when he was talking about the celebration of the 175th anniversary of we were and where we are today and what is happening and, and how he, he brought that brought that home. So upbeat, the content uh, is something else to examine, but his presentation was on target. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the content and and. First of all, one of the things that we try to do and analyze this is educate the public, right? The, the reality is in a capitalistic society, Rocky Leibold, 
the private sector is absolutely critical because they generate the revenues that the government spends, payroll services, uh, what what have you. Given what we've gone through, where the, the pandemic uh, came in early 2020, impacted us for literally all of 2020, the majority of 2021, started to subside with the new normal uh, to this point. Does the, do, do we kind of modify how we grade governance because of the pandemic? Because we had never experienced anything like that before. Well, I, I that's don't... Just to be fair. That's, that's, yeah, that's I, I believe we may have, but I, I I think that because of the pandemic, we, we've seen a whole lot of money has come to territory. And his test is how well he spends that money. He, he hasn't been able to, to spend it because the public already out there is saying, we have a calypso call with the money gone. <laughs> you know, and, and that's part of the issue that he has to deal with. I believe that he didn't, he hasn't developed a, a crew that really evaluates how do we spend the federal money. Yeah, it ain't just about spending. It's no, it's not spending. only that. It's that, a whole process. It's a whole process that, to me, should have done it already because it's six years now. I mean, you know, six years, six the territory. If, if we include the last year for MAP. Right. So that, that's six years, yes, correct. But I'm saying that we know this. We know this from federal monies. So we need to have a group of people, a cadre, that this is what they do. They make sure they go to every department and say, look, we have X amount of dollars for human services, education. This is how we're going to spend it. This is how we're going to do it. And each agency must be have someone there to really evaluate and to help them because you don't know it. Let, you know? let, let me ask this question to you, Docs. Once the, the people of the Virgin Islands heard $8 billion, automatically, you know, from a, from a mental standpoint, we're thinking we're going to be all right. However, it ain't an $8 billion check. It's $8 billion appropriated for the people of the Virgin Islands that needs to be expended correctly. That's number one. Number two, the, the right off the bat, we heard of two companies that are going to be providing some uh, support. Ernst and Young and uh, Widow Brian, right? Yeah. And we've had a problem, you know, over the years with the FEMA approach. Them asking for what I believe is an unrealistic ten percent match. Because here's the deal: if you're looking at eight billion dollars, ten percent of that is what eight hundred million. Yeah. Our budget is between eight hundred million and a billion dollars. That's unrealistic, Doug School. Right. Unrealistic, and that's one of the things that I've always spoken about as to how the federal government relates to us. Yes, you're going to give us $12 billion. Because the number has changed over years. The number has changed. Yeah. The number has gone up to $12 billion, yeah. And we are going to have to provide a match for some of it. That's become very problematic. But the monies that we have that we can spend is key. I've, I was told that eight billion, eight billion, is available for spending. That's what it is. So thus far, we have only spent about two point five. You said three. I said three is a three is the number. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, and that's still less than forty percent. That's three out of eight is thirty. Let me see. Thirty-seven point five percent. Right. 
I'm five, six years in, I don't know. So I, that I, money yeah. that is there and is not being spent becomes problematic. And Rocky hit it on the head in terms of we have the department uh, uh, with Miss. Okay. Yeah, we, have, we, have, we have an entity that is supposed to deal with federal monies, yeah. uh, monies coming in, right? With Miss Octoline. And they're supposed to now make sure that this money is spent. But if you don't have a plan to spend the money, eventually the federal government is going to say, hey, listen, you're not spending it. We're going to reappropriate this money because we need some money for border protection. We need some money for... for well, I, I, I believe that their argument is that we have a plan. However, one of the statements and positions that the governor took early on was because we don't have the requisite workforce, we're not going to be expending anything. And based on their calculations from in 2019, anything more than five to $600 million a year. And if you look at it, it looks like they're sticking to that. Because if you do the math at 3.7 mil over a six-year period, that's $600 million a year. So this begs the real question, Rocky. I know we want to make sure that all of our residents here in the Virgin Islands are employed as part of this recovery. But do we need to bring in man and woman power at this point? Because the recovery itself is more important than making sure that our local people get hired. We need to get our infrastructure hardened and be more resilient. Oh, we need to do a, a better job at balancing both. Let me put it that way. Well, we need to do a better job of that because the, the mere fact that the money is for here and we have so many contractors and people who can do the work, they must be an integral part of whoever comes in. It, it must be mandated that, look, you, you may have the contract, but we have a pool of contractors here that must be employed. You know, when that is exhausted, then you bring in other people from outside. Yeah. But until that time, you, you, you have to take care of us. Without a doubt. And I just want to remind the public that we are on location, Rocky. We're in a, in a political headbed, a headbed, you know that, uh, the Delhi deck for years, yeah. one of many political audience know, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Yeah. Uh, Docs, Rufus Tumble come to come, come this morning up here, man. Uh, Rufus Tumble come here this morning from all the way. He don't walk down west and come up. Yes, sir. Rufus Tumble is, is a, uh, a big supporter of Analyze This. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we, we, we're he, great. I want to have to know that we got a nice fresh breeze coming through here. And also, I hope to thank Analyze this for bringing the breeze this morning. Okay, so we good. Look, uh, we got a, a good lineup, right? We've got the Chamber of Commerce is supposed to be joining us. We've got the union leadership yeah, supposed to be joining us. I see some of them here already. Uh, the governor himself is supposed yes. to be working his way through here. We also got the Senate president going to be joining us as well. Uh, so I, I think uh, uh, we're taking the next step. Right, the, the table talk on Monday really sets the tone for the week. So but, they're ready. Uh, so we can that, uh, question we, them, right? Right there, we we, we got them yeah. uh, right right next to you. Before we go to uh, our first break, I, I want to ask this question because we were looking at the excellent coverage on Channel Twelve last night, and uh, the closing discussion had to do with the legislature because there was recently an appropriation for $25 million for a specific purpose. I believe it was to address retro. Right. And the uh, executive branch said there was a payroll priority. And apparently there's some lack of communication. And the docs, you and I were speaking about this earlier. We come to Rocky a little bit. Rocky know about this. Um, that was not 
good what we heard last night from a governance standpoint because we need the governor to call to call the Senate president to let him know look such and such is such and this is why we're doing what we're doing as it relates to expending money based on a specific purpose and a specific appropriation. Listen, the thing I, I want to ask both of you gentlemen, both of you serve as president of a legislature, correct? Correct. Now, if the legislature through its mandate is an operator of the purse strings and you appropriate a line item specifically under your watch and what has transpired, how would either you move in terms of carrying out the fiduciary responsibility of the legislature? That's the question because that the problem comes, you move money from here to there, but you need to come back to the legislature and ask for permission to do that. You don't willy-nilly go and take the money from here. And, and this is not the first instance that it has happened, uh, Neville Rack. I've seen it happen. And what what we're going to do is we're going to take a break on that note, Rocky. As Senate President, you're going to speak to relationships you've had with previous oh, governors to deal with that because that is something that we don't want the outside outside of the Virgin Islands to hear. That's what's going on here with governance. Yes. Well, we'll take a break here and analyze this on location here in St. Thomas at the Delhi Day. Uh, good morning, everyone. Say hello. Hey, Carl Knight. Good to see you here. Good morning. We'll be back. News happens all week, all around the world. If you want to understand what this French election is all about... Four candidates are running unopposed, and three of them met reporters Thursday. Whatever the outcome of today's elections, the secessionist genie is out of the bottle. News, analysis, perspective, music, books, and sports, too. Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Saturdays at 8 a.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. Human beings have been making music for tens of thousands of years. It brings us together. It has the power to communicate emotions and ideas. It's a profound part of the human experience. Hear the stories behind the music you love and new music you might fall in love with. I'm Raina Duras. Join me for in-depth interviews with artists who are continuing that musical history on World Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. The PBS NewsHour has a rich legacy of in-depth reporting and strong storytelling. Only four people have sat in that chair before us, and the enormity of this moment is not lost on me. People turn to us because they know they can hear from trusted sources of information and news. That won't change a bit, even as the faces behind the desk change. Good evening, I'm Jeff Bennett. And I'm Amna Nabaz. Weekdays at 7 p.m. on WTJX-TV, Channel 12. On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we are not afraid to stand up to the high and mighty like Jeff Bezos. He had that big that cowboy hat on. <laughs> he looked like, like a shrink ray had hit Garth Brooks. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. Join me as we speak truth to power, at least until power agrees to buy us out, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. On 
WTJX analyze this on location. I got uh, my two co-hosts this morning, Donald Skull, um, three-term senator, and most recently the majority leader of the 30th legislature. And, of course, Armando Rocky Labor, the ranking member, eight-term senator, at large senator out of Love City, St. John, twice the Senate president, I believe the 21st and the 24th. So that's your power bound number there, Rocky, 21 and 24. Look, let's go straight to the conversation. We got uh, Mr. Dan Flippo from United Steel Workers. United Steel Workers. Uh, uh, I think his mic. We, we got we got check out uh, Mr. Mr. Flippo mic. Make sure the mic is good. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm sorry. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Very well. And thank you for the opportunity to be here. Without a doubt. First of all, before we get into why the union, why the union folk are protesting like they did, give us a little history with respect to United Steel Workers for those who are listening uh, here and analyze this this morning. Tell us about United Steel Workers. Yes, our union represents 850,000 workers across the United States and Canada, approximately 2,000 on the three islands of the U.S. Virgin Islands. We represent many areas of the government as well as private sector via heavy construction and that type. Uh, we're attempting to work with this government, especially for our government workers, because we've been without contracts in some cases for eight to 10 years. We're working on day-to-day -day agreements with a 72-hour notice to terminate. And our members deserve the dignity and respect that a long-term agreement provides whether it be the wages, whether it be what the government has promised in negotiations, and then simply not doing. What is the big issue from a union perspective with the government of the Virgin Islands? There's actually... Because because if you said eight to ten years, that means it predates the current administration. That's correct. There's actually three issues that are very important that hits this administration. A... Or number one, we get into negotiations, and the Office of Collective Bargaining sits down and negotiates the agreements with us. We TA, which means tentative agree to language or wage increases or whatever. We take that to our members to ratify it. Our members ratify it. And then when it gets to the governor, he doesn't implement it. He doesn't give the wage increases. I noticed in his speech that he mentioned he had given the wage increases for this calendar year. Not true. Our members have a wage increase schedule that has not been paid. So when they don't pay the wage increases on time, you then have to argue about the retro pay. So the pay and benefits are one thing. The second thing is safety and health. In the Bureau of Motor Vehicles in St. Croix, they're in FEMA home, FEMA trailers that are falling in. I mean, when I say falling in, the floors have physically fell in. We had to implement some of our language in the contract relative to health and safety to prevent injuries in those buildings. And the third thing is long-term agreements. We're accustomed to three- and four-year agreements. This governor and the 12 agreements that are in place, and I know you talk about the 12 and 13 years of the prior administration. This administration has been in five or six years. There's time to clean that up. And the time is now. Our members deserve that. Our members deserve the security of knowing what their pay and benefit will be year to year, not not on extensions. Before I uh, bring in uh, Rocky, didn't the administration work to address 
the working conditions at, at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles? Yeah. Yes, the working conditions. The union, a lot of people hear about unions and, and collective bargaining agreements, and they just think wage increases. No, but I'm talking about the, the structural problems that they had at the Golden Grove uh, facility, and I know that the, the administration um, went out of their way because I actually spoke with the BMW, uh, BMV, uh, uh, director, and they've been working there to make sure that they accommodate the workers like they should. They have redid the trailers. Yes. But my understanding is there was discussion and in talking with a head of the BMV about a building, not a trailer. No, and I, I think that they've actually made a public statement that they're going to be working to that and end. That we'll, 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 well, that hasn't done yet, but it, it can't happen overnight. So in fairness to them, but they are committed, based on what we're hearing, they are committed to putting them in a building. Rocky, um, as Senate President, the unions over the years like to blame the Senator them for everything. I'm um, a good friend, Jerry Dayan. Yeah. Jerry them used to, uh, they used to yeah. like to apply the heat to us, right? <laughs> Talk a little bit about the Balancing Act from a legislative standpoint where we understand that the employees, you see, yeah. the, the realities of working on location, right? The employees need to be protected. They need to work in safe conditions because we don't want OSHA coming down on them. But at the same time, we have to respect management and we have to respect yeah. the private sector. Talk about that balancing act as it relates from a legislative perspective. Well, well you're correct about um, unions. I had my share of it with Mr. Jackson, too, <laughs> with Glenn Smith and them in those days. They, they beat up on the Senate like we were the problem. You know, quite, quite frankly, it's been a while now since we heard about unions. We thought they don't exist anymore. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I mean, I, I notice now there's the resurgence, but union, don't get me wrong. Unions serve its purpose. There, there are times when you need that that body to support you. And sometimes I don't agree with all this they do because sometimes they support a bunch of people that don't need to be walking. They, some of them need to go home, but <laughs> they, they protect them too. I, I No, I'm telling you, that's that's how I feel. Yeah. You know, and um, but it's unfortunate that government and union can't really come together because it's all about our people. That's the bottom line. It's about our people who live here. We run this place and, and we got to be able to find a way to make their life better. You know, not being outrageous and union have to understand sometimes they can't get everything they want. You know, and, and, I, and I think that what we're lacking is my line of question and you call it Communication is the key. Well, that's what I'm glad, I'm glad you went there because I, I want to put the onus on you now, uh, Mr. Flippo. Are you comfortable with the level of communication that the unions have attempted to establish with the administration? Absolutely not. We have tried to meet with OCB. They say they're understaffed and can't meet. They don't show up to meetings when they're supposed to, when they we actually set them. And then the, the brother made a good point. And I don't disagree. We understand we can't get everything we want, but we expect to get everything that they agreed to give us. This is not about what we want. This is about what they've agreed to do. They tentatively agreed to do and then just simply have not done, whether it's the crime scene investigators. They promised in the last round of negotiations for a $4,000 hazardous pay for the crime scene investigators. Have not done it will not sign the agreement and the uh, workers at the aged home they promised 10 percent 
on wages for hazardous work. Agreed at the table agreed. The government agreed through their OCB to do it. And then when it got to the government, they wouldn't sign it. Well, well we're not asking for things well, that well, we're outrageous. We want them to keep their word. That's all. We'll, we'll get the governor in a little bit. And he'll yes. have his opportunity to counter that dust school. Uh, any comments or questions from Mr. Flippo? Unions, uh, I am I am in fully in support of union. And uh, what the gentleman said, if you promise you're going to pay me, we don't want everything. If you promise you're going to pay me, yeah. pay me. Okay. The but, the, but, the, but, the, but the governor did mention last night that we're dealing with a, a cash situation. But that's exactly. So, so, so that's, that's, I don't, I don't yeah. what, what I want and what we do here analyze this is we try to bring in all of the perspectives because that's what we do. We analyze this. And, and given the hardships that we're dealing with now, how do we get to that middle ground, that common ground, so that everybody understands we are addressing the needs, but circumstances are not absolutely perfect. And I was going to go there with the governor last night, speaking about union and paying retroactive monies. This government, this this administration, I believe, have been good to unions. I'm saying it. Mm -hmm. Retroactive pay that was due for over 10, 15, 20 years, they have made an attempt to pay that, a portion of it when they don't divert the money to do other things that the legislature appropriated to do. On the other hand, we get the legislature gets blamed a lot of times because we are the appropriating arm right. of the of, of, of the government. That's right. And if we appropriate a pool of money to supposed to go to union, union with an understanding Based on the economic conditions that we have, this is all we can afford at this point in time. Well, that's what that goes yeah. back to what Rocky said. It's yeah. a communication issue. Yeah, this and, is how we can and, afford and, at this and, point in time. And so we, and, and let's we, deal with that. We, we need we need the highest levels of communication at this particular juncture because we're in the middle of a protracted recovery, right? And everybody is focusing on how we could harden, you know, our infrastructure, how we could uh, make sure that going forward, because we know hurricanes plane. That's just the realities, right? If when they come in, the question is when the next one come in and that we're prepared to deal with that. Let me ask you this question, um, Mr. Flippo. You said 850 uh, Virgin Islanders are in the United States Workers Union. How many members territory-wide? Between 16 and 1,800. 16 and 1,800. Yes. And, and, and you're comfortable that you're, you're representing their best interest to the best of your ability, sir? don't know that I'm comfortable we're doing everything we should do, and I appreciate the comments. We are trying to do much better. We're trying to mobilize our members. But to be frank with you, we're mobilizing our members to get the government to do what they said they would do. The governor mentioned a lot last night about partnerships. Partnerships go both ways. It's not a one-way street when you talk about partnerships. We want to partner with the government. No. To make the lives of our members better, no, I like, but I we like can't that. do it no. by ourselves on the side of the road. They no. have to meet with us. They no. have to talk with us. I'm sure when you when you when you made that statement, you saw all three of us nod in in the affirmative because that's what we wanted to hear, Rocky. We need to, it's, it's a partnership. Yeah. At the end of the day, we we can really point fingers all we want to, but it really is a partnership, Rocky Labor. Well, the brother said it very accurately. Our members are citizens of the Virgin Islands, and it doesn't matter whether they're in the Department of Finance 
whether they're the nurses and the workers at the aged home, they're taking care of our mothers, our fathers, our children. They're doing the things that we ought to do on this island. And they ought to be, the promises made to them should be kept. And this union is going to make sure they are kept. Now, now Rocky and, and, and Docs, let me ask her this question. Docs, you say they refer to us former senators as what? Generation done. <laughs> <laughs> The, the reality is we might need to offer ourselves to, That's his to uh, we might need to offer ourselves to provide some some uh, mediation That's his <laughs> for, for the executive branch and uh the, the the private sector rocky let, let me ask you this question you, you are a ranking member and you you sat in that chair got beat up more than any of us <laughs> right. right um the unions are very very important because we got to make sure that and you know he referred to you as the brother, right? Yeah. Our brothers and sisters right. are protected in, in in the workplace. Um, how do we educate the public to understand everybody's value and contribution to the economic terrain in the Virgin Islands? Because it isn't just about unions. So we have non-unionized employees as well. It, it it requires leadership, but you know where it starts? It starts at the ground level from our school system. When we introduce our young people to government, how government works. It grows with them. They become a part of the system. They become a part of knowing where every dollar is spent. Once that's happened, they are now going to be much more concerned about every dollar than they are today not knowing. So the leadership must do that. And, and something you said earlier that we didn't answer, the $25 million for retro and spending only, what you said was 2.5. But what he didn't say is that I believe that was a line item. It was a line item, folks. Line item means that that money goes for that and that alone. Well, the, the governor goes, it, we, we it, are getting it, the governor it goes for that and that alone. <laughs> and if you want to change that, you have to go back to the body and say, look, we want to. We want to change this because we have a problem, and it's, it's nothing wrong with doing that. Well, but, but you can't take it on your own and do it. All right, well, we, we, I agree with you 100%, you know. and we'll get the governor because, remember, the governor's position is priority, right? And yeah. it was a payroll yeah. issue. But we and I know what protocol requires exactly. and what it mandates, what have you. We're going to uh, uh, head uh, to a break right now. We want to thank you, Mr. Flippo, for, join, for joining us. Uh, uh, and, and before we head to the break, um, I just want to say, Mr. Flippo, in the Virgin Islands, November the 1st is Liberty Day. In St. Croix, we celebrate a big festival in Estegro, place Bull and Bread. Labor unions was a D. Hamilton Jackson mandate, something that he stood for and something that we take near and dear. And, and just know that in the Virgin Islands, unionized employees are always respected. Thank you. And thank you for what you do here. This show is, is part of education. This show and what you're doing and, and analyzing this. <laughs> yeah, I like get that. that out. That might have been a plug for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a plug, a real-time plug. Uh, so so we, we appreciate that. Mr. Flipper, where are you from originally? Uh, originally, because, I'm, because I hear that southern drawl in your voice. We, we were originally. So, so you're saying I don't have a Virgin Island accent? Not the age, you're, you're working on it, but it's Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama. That's a big historical point. You Neville, do you have a minute? I just want to well, say no, we'll, something. We'll, 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 we'll pick it up there, and then John Wood is going to be joining us. 
from uh, the well, thank you for your time. Chamber of Commerce. Thank you very much, Mr. Thank Flipper. you for your time. Ask the governor to sign our contracts when he comes. <laughs> the governor hates you, so, so we're good. Uh, we'll take a break, and we'll be back right after this here on WTJX. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. He said that black smoke was constantly coming out of the burn pits 24-7. And my reaction to it was like, wow, that doesn't sound very safe. I wonder what that's about. And in my mind, I couldn't imagine at the time that type of system operating could potentially harm our service members. Journalism that seeks and reveals. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Doom scrolling. Let's break that habit, folks. I'm Aisha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, where if you want to know what's going on in the world and why it matters, all you have to do is give your thumb a rest and perk up your ears. We've got the news, but we've also got curiosity, joy, and surprise. Tune in for Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.